Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Will Schirmer. He has spent 23 years in the field of human resources, working with both national and international firms. He's also a speaker and an executive coach dedicated to thoughtful discussion on leadership and personal growth and fulfillment. He has authored two books, The Leadership Core and Fulfilled. And that's why I had to have him on Back to Basics. Hello, Will, and thanks for accepting the invitation. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. Well, anybody that uh, includes the word fulfillment has me at hello. I think uh, that's something that we're all striving to achieve. So I say definitely a perfect guest. So so thank you. And uh, let's hit it right on at the beginning. Like, uh, tell me where you're from. And uh, the most important thing is what were you passionate about when you were a, chi- a child and, and things you dreamt about? And, you know, a little bit of that origin story on, on how you got your heads up in life. Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up in the Midwest U.S. in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the, the land of ice and snow during the winter. And um, my mother was a, a, a teacher, elementary school teacher. My father was an engineer. And, um, you know, I, I had a, a very fortunate, very happy upbringing. I have three older sisters. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think early on, I was passionate about two things. One was competition and the other was learning. So I always enjoyed school, quite frankly. You know, I enjoyed the opportunity to, to, to learn, to expand my horizons. And so for, for me, you know, school was also a really happy part of my, my childhood journey. And outside of school, uh, I was a, a sportsman. So I, I played different sports and always enjoyed competition as well. So those were the things I was passionate about growing up. Uh, I think that has stuck with me ever since. Mm-hmm. I kind of see myself as an eternal student, always trying to, to learn something new and hone my craft, whether it's in, you know, in, in part of work or just in terms of, of personal growth as well. And um, that's been an important part of my journey as well. I'm, I'm passionate about helping other people develop too. And that really has grown for me to be more than just a workplace passion, as you mentioned, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of, of writing and two, some book, other, two yeah. books, a little bit of writing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, I can tell you're very humble. <laughs> yeah, I think it was one of the as bad as the pandemic has been, you know, it has caused people to perhaps rethink what is important uh, to them. And that that is not a bad thing. And I think the other thing is, is it did free up some of our time, some of us who would normally be stuck in traffic. And, and when the pandemic hit, I was in the UK living just southwest of London. And rather than fight London traffic to and from work, I had a little bit of extra open time and, and did some writing with that. So it was sort of fortunate. That's great. That's great. Well, but I, I think that also uh, shows something in your character of people that, okay, maybe I have now free time. Let me see what I can do with that. 
rather than just let you know let let's uh, be a couch potato or something like that, which I don't criticize or judge, but I say you know that sometimes people say, "How do you get so many things done?" And well, it, it usually doesn't go with I just sat down to watch Netflix all day, right? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, time is one of the things you know. Time and attention are are precious resources. We can't manufacture more of them. So uh, I think using them well, and I encourage leaders and people to think about that as, as well, really, as part of their own personal growth journey is, you know, how, how do you use your time? How do you use your uh, attention? And are you majoring in the minor things? You know, are you are you placing those precious resources on things that aren't aligned with your with your beliefs and your values? And so it's time for us to, you know, to rethink occasionally. And I think the pandemic as bad as it has been, has allowed us to, you know, to sort of pause and think about what's important. Yeah, I love that. And and so um, it's great. It's I, I love it that uh, when I have a guest that had it a little bit easier, because I honestly, every time I interview someone new, I realize also, like you, I was very fortunate in my upbringing, but it makes you very sensitive to say there's a lot of people that unfortunately don't have uh, you know, a happy, stable uh, childhood. And, and that's something that I think as a parent is something that I strive on every day because you realize that everything you do has an impact on another human being. And we think it's not that many people, but it's a lot of people that unfortunately cannot say I have for one reason or another, like a stable, happy childhood. So I'm I'm happy you you did get that. And, the, and I know you, did you go into human resources? That's something that I'm curious about. Like, is that a choice you made or kind of, it took you there a little bit. What what was the link between your career and 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 your passions? Yeah, uh, I would tell you absolutely not. It it, <laughs> it didn't. I wanted to be an engineer like my father, and so I, I remember taking an occupational survey in high school, and uh, it said that I should be a personnel manager, and and I laughed and went on to uh, to engineering school, mm. and um, well, I you know happened to like numbers and analysis and all that good stuff. I found out that that really my passion wasn't in in engineering and my undergraduates are actually in law enforcement and political science and I have graduate degrees in HR and, and in social sciences. But HR was was something that sort of developed. Uh, I, I sort of fell into it. I was an area manager in the UK for uh, a retail store, a uh, retailing store chain, and I really liked the aspects of my job that had to do with, you know, how do you find good people? How do you train them? How do you make sure they're happy and productive? And so an opportunity came up to come on board with a consultancy in the UK that dealt with recruiting, training, and retention consultancy. And that's how my HR career started. Most of my career has been in corporate HR, though. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, in a way, I sort of fell into it. I ignored you know, that survey from high school, and then it came back to find me, you know, yeah. in later years. That is interesting. That is interesting, because I do believe that those uh, surveys, I also took one early, early on, and we all have the tendency to try to ignore it and impose what we think we want. And there's something out there in our personality that definitely once we follow that, you know, what, what our strengths are, then, you know, it's almost like a smoother road. And so, but so I'm curious because obviously when when you think about having written two books in fulfillment and all that, I mean, your career in HR is 
long and, and you know, you, you, you've been there. No? Not that I'm calling you old, but anything that's more than, you know, 20 years, it's like that's enough time, let's say, to have a very valuable opinion or perspective into a very important subject, which is, you know, human relationships, the, especially in the corporate side. I personally always feel, you know, the hiring process is extremely difficult because, one thing is the skill set that the candidate brings to the table, but then there's that personality traits that, you know, culture matching, so to speak, that, you know, that the candidate has to match the company culture. It's very challenging. So I'm obviously very open and curious to hear any of those experiences, what you, you know, the, the, the wisdom you have gotten from all those years in HR. Yeah, I would, you know, I would tell you there's an old adage that says hire for attitude and train aptitude. It's probably a well-worn cliche, but I think it's right. I, I think it's not unusual for hiring managers to overemphasize or overvalue skill and experience and to, to, to sort of discount general competencies and potential. You know, as an example, I, I, the first thing I do is I look for, do I want this person in my team? You know, will they add value as a team member? Do they bring intangibles like uh, adaptability, a willingness to learn and grow, supportiveness, professionalism, a good work ethic, teamworking skills? These are things that I can't easily teach. And, you know, we talked about upbringing, whatever environmental factors people had in their lives, you know, I just don't want to teach someone to try and find the building on time. I, I don't want a project like that as, as a manager. And so, you know, you try and ferret out, is this person a good match for the team and organizational culture and also job? Uh, and, and for me, I would rather teach technical skills because they can be taught in weeks and months. You know, if you have someone you feel is bright and willing to learn, as an example, I hired an insurance agent to be a recruiter. I also hired a former high school business teacher to be an HR manager. Mm -hmm. They ended up doing wonderfully well. Not that necessarily I was good at the recruitment process. Maybe I was lucky, but I was looking for certain things, knowing that the intangibles they had, you know, that the personality traits were things I, I thought that I could build around. And I, I think that's important. And I think it's important for people to, to also really look at motivations Oftentimes, managers will hire someone that can do the job, but doesn't want to do the job. The job itself is something that they're perfectly capable of performing mm -hmm. well, but it doesn't match their motivations. And they're looking, you know, the candidate is looking for a holdover because let's say they need, you know, they need the money, they need the job. And what you get inevitably is heartbreak as mm -hmm. a manager. Sooner or later, they'll leave you. And so I think it's, it's important to to sort of ferret that out too and make sure that the things that motivate your people, you know, I talked about lifelong learning and competition. They're some of my inherent motivators. If my job doesn't have that, then, you know, I, I, I'm probably not staying long-term. So I think those are important things to look for as you are, are interviewing. I love that. I definitely, the motivation aspect is something that I had never thought about it that way from the, you, you kind of assume in my case that maybe it's the, my same motivation to be in a job that I can grow. And I, but you're right, like every person's, you know, maybe they like the job because they're close to their home or, you know, there's other things that maybe are not that obvious 
that can be a big motivator. And in your expertise, what's what's one of those personality traits that are extremely important and very, very hard to find? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I talk about some of these things in Fulfilled because I think that there are there are some traits as we look at, I'll call it self-leadership or self-management, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. cliche term we're using right mm -hmm. out in the, the field today. But um, there are a few important traits. And, you know, I tend to look for certainly whether it's leadership or any role, you have to look for character. Now, everyone defines what character means for themselves, but I define it in, in a couple of, of ways. I think character has a handful of components. And the first is integrity. Mm -hmm. You know, I want someone who's honest, transparent, and trustworthy. I want someone who's accountable. Accountability, I think, is an important trait. Um, someone who shares credit and holds up their hand and takes responsibility for, for issues and mistakes that, that they, they make. Uh, I look for compassion in people, mm -hmm. particularly in leaders. But I look for, for someone who at least has a degree of emotional sensitivity. Uh, I look for humility as well, because we all know the problems that ego can cause, particularly in leaders. And I look for responsibility, which I think is different than accountability. That's a core that I look for. There are other traits, you know, certainly a degree of emotional intelligence, uh, a degree of resilience and adaptability mm -hmm. as well. You know, th those are things as as a team member that I want in in my coworkers, in my people. Awesome. No, I think that's very valuable. And so when you do the coaching and the leadership speaking engagements you do, when you go into a team that maybe it's not working as it should be working, what are some of the things that you tell entrepreneurs or business owners or people that are managing a team and they might have the right people, but as you say, they're not maybe you getting the most out of it for whatever reason. What are some of those things you work on? Yeah, so I, I tend to, I suppose, oversimplify, but I look at three things, people, processes, and systems. And oftentimes leaders will go to people first and it doesn't include them. They'll say, I have the wrong people or this is a people problem. There's a pretty decent minority of, of issues that happen because of environmental factors, that you may have the right people, but there are issues with structure, with processes, with systems, with things that, that are happening that for some reason provide barriers to good performance. And so I think that's important to look at as well and not jump to conclusions that you may have the wrong people. The other thing that I, I encourage leaders to do is to say, when your team doesn't perform, it's a you problem, as in you need to look in the mirror as a leader and not immediately go to your people. Oftentimes they'll say, well, what is, you know, what is my person doing wrong? What is wrong with them? What, what, what flaws do they have? What shortcomings do they have? And we need to look in the mirror first as leaders, go first to that. What have I done as a leader that I could be doing differently? What have I missed? What mistakes have I made? What do I need to communicate differently or better? That we, we have to own our part in the process because as leaders, we get work done th through the efforts of others. And so we have to start with us first. You know, did we make expectations clear? Did we communicate them well? Did we align them? 
are we following up, for example? So those are some of the things that I look at. Of course, I look at data, you know, and other other things that, that lead me to conclude that maybe there's issues in certain areas. But it comes back to, is there an effort, is there an issue with effort or is it execution? In other words, is it skill or will? Mm-hmm. And, and that's another thing that I look at. Interesting. Interesting. And I know you're being your first book, Leadership and Personal Growth. Obviously, you're big on personal growth. I imagine that, you know, even in one's normal life, I know I have some friends or people I know that I can speak about some of that personal growth aspect because that's a path or journey that I'm interested in. But I know there's others like, you know, if, if we're talking, it's almost like business is disconnected for many people from that personal, uh, you know, environment or personal growth. In, what's your experience with that? That Like, do you feel that generally are people embarking in more personal growth journey? Did COVID help with that? What, what's your take? Yeah, I think early in my career, I thought, well, you know, there's there's personal development stuff outside of work, right? And then there's the professional development stuff. And, you know, the two don't really meet. And that's certainly not the case. All development is personal growth, right? The, the only difference is where are we using what we're learning? Yes, sometimes it's in the workplace. Sometimes it's outside of the workplace. But all the stuff that... I concentrate on in talent management at work. It's all about personal growth because the competencies that we talk about in leadership are things like, how do you build teams? Mm-hmm. How do you motivate? Because like it or not, as a leader, everything comes down to how people feel because how they feel drives how they act. So, you know, how do you motivate? How do you manage change? How do you develop others? These are general competencies that whether you're talking about how you guide your child through their teens or how you manage your team at work, they're similar concepts. And certainly how you, how you manage your own life, whether it's in or outside of work is, again, there's, there's similar concepts around that. So it's all personal growth, I think. Mm. And I think the good thing you know, the pandemic, again, it's been horrible, but the, you know, one of the things that has been good is that it's, it's allowed us to understand that there is a blurred line between work and our lives. And we, we, we have to balance those things and they do blend, you know, just in terms of, of the skills that we use and how we grow. I mean, certainly I'm a proponent of work-life balance and, you know, putting the laptop away and, and not letting it distract you. I mean, that's that's happened to me, frankly, and it's it's caused problems in personal relationships because I couldn't turn work off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all personal growth. Yeah, I like I like that the, the perspective, and I like also what you say, where you know the lines blend, and as they blend, and I imagine a professional and someone with your expertise. And I, I think you, you're also, you know, a certified employee specialist, you know, like you, you help companies put together benefits packages for their employees. And I'm sure all companies are having to also rethink, like, where do we go from here? Are we leaving our people working from home? Are we, I think, you know, that the corporate America is kind of struggling right now because everybody wants to go in a different direction in a way, but like Every company I hear is doing something different and that the employees right now are almost like 
have some power to choose, like based on what's important to them. Like I know the companies that want their all their employees to go back to like an office schedule every day. They're going to have a challenge. Would you agree? I, I do agree. Yeah. Uh, if you look at most research done on this this subject, a significant majority of, of employees do not want to go back into the office every day. You know, certainly there are some there, there are some industries where it's required. Mm-hmm. Where you know you doctors have to be there in the hospital mm-hmm. day to day. Yes, even with remote telemedicine, right? There's you know you go to the hospital, you're going to see a doctor face to face. So in all other things, however, those companies that steadfastly say you need to be back in the office because, and there isn't a an overriding business reason, are likely going to lose out in terms of the war for talent because. You know, there is a reshifting in terms of of where people want their work and life balance to be. You know, I did not want to be stuck in traffic uh, on the M25 in London for an hour and 15 minutes each way, each day. That's two and a half hours of my life. And as, you know, as productive as we could be in the car, we could be somewhere else, you know, with our families. So, you know, the, the companies that are not thinking carefully through this are going to suffer and employees will have more choice, not just in terms of the traditional choices, job, pay, benefits, but aspects like where am I going to work and how much time and when am I going to work during the day? So that flexibility is something that companies will either offer or not, and they'll, they'll thrive or suffer on that basis. Mm-hmm. They thrive or suffer on that basis. That's that's wisdom right there. You can choose what you want to be and and how you want to handle this. No, I, I I totally agree. So no, this is great. There's so much wisdom here. So anything that you're particularly excited about these days, Will? Any project besides your two books that obviously I will share in the show notes and they sound incredible. And, and it sounds like a great uh, way to have spent some of the COVID, you know, lockdown to write a book on, on fulfillment. I'm sure that that was a, a part of your own personal growth experience. Anything else you want to share with the audience in terms of exciting projects, things you're looking forward to? Yeah, uh, you know, um, so third book's on the way. It's done. Uh, uh-huh. um, so Congrats. I'm excited about that. And, and really, you know, I've, I've tried to take this, some of the subjects of the first two books and blend them together in, in a book called Where Talent and Passion Collide. Mm. And it has relevance for leaders, but as well as, as individuals. And we're really talking about, you know, there's been a shift in how leaders need to act, certainly through the pandemic, right? a, a more compassionate, more flexible, more, I'll call it more common sense approach. And there used to be this sort of adage or philosophy amongst leaders that, you know, you ask people to leave their problems at the door when they come in, leave their feelings at the door. That's such an archaic way of leading now, right? We want people coming in filled with emotion. We want to harness that emotion to, to get work done for the benefit of our employers, but also for the, the fulfillment of our people. And so, you know, I've, I've really explored the, the idea of excellence being where talent and passion collide at work or in life, that people are at their best when they're doing both what they're good at and what they're most passionate about, right? When those two things are brought together, 
you have people loving every minute that they spend in, in whatever project it is at work or outside of work. And, and they achieve great things. You know, there are so-called ordinary people who do extraordinary things because their passion drives them through obstacles and, and around adversity. And when they, when they use their core strengths to do these things, they're at their happiest. And, and organizations need to find that out. And I think that there is a, um, there's a shift that needs to occur for organizations to understand that um, you can fit your employee into the neat box that you have. Here's the job description. Here's the, here's the role. And it's necessary to have some structure. But if you really want to capture and harness the talent and keep the talent you have, you have to ask people and you have to find out what are they good at? What really captures their imagination? And find a job that brings both together. And you're going to have someone who's extraordinarily productive and happy. So I think there's a blurring of lines at work that means that, that as organizations, we need to be more creative with saying, uh, you know, I have someone in this position and we have the right person in the wrong place. So let's create a job for them or let's use them in projects in a way that harnesses what they're good at and what they love to do. So I'm excited about that and about, I think, just sort of spreading the word that, you know, leadership needs to continue to evolve to look at those things. And it all comes back again to feelings and motivation. Mm -hmm. I love it. Very, very interesting. And I'm sure that third book is going to also be fantastic because I, I love particularly what you say, excellencies where talent and passion collide. And, uh, and strangely enough, the, the whole passion thing, we have been trained, I feel, to almost minimize it, you know, like uh, to not show it too much. And uh, like in my case, when I was I first started one of my first job, I, I've always been a connector. I like talking to people, but also because I learn about the person. And so at, you know, any given time when people didn't know where to go for information, I knew exactly where to go because I was I, I care about, you know, learning what other people were working on. You know. But I had bosses that were not happy with, you know, maybe because they would even if I would perform great. They were bothered by the fact that you kind of are a talker in a way that you like to talk. You like the human contact. You're not always on your desk looking at your computer. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I never allowed that type of management style to suppress my passionate style of connecting, of creating those relationships, because I realized that's my biggest strength. Even now, after, you know, 25 years into my career, that's now why people say, oh, you have such great relationship here and great really. And I say, yeah, I don't only call people when I need them. I've been calling them all throughout my career because, you know, when you create true relationships, that's what you get. But I could tell where I was at a, at a point in my career where I was trying to be molded into something I wasn't. And that was going to have a great impact into my biggest strengths and how it would impact me. And, and I see it sometimes, you know, when I mentor younger people that they're trying to be corner, I say, don't be afraid of who you are. Stay true to who you are. You know, if you're performing and you're doing your job and these might bring value somewhere and just don't don't completely discard it. It's absolutely very true. And I think that, you know, there's the there's an underlying sense of unease and tension when you feel like 
you have to be someone else at work. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can't be authentic or, you know, you're supposed to be someone else. And that's hard. You know, a lot of us spend good parts of our career or leadership career just trying to find our own voice. And you're right. The manager can either say, get back to your desk, stop talking, or or he or she can say, you know, Mary seems really good at building relationships. Um, I wonder how we can use that skill better. Mm-hmm within the organization rather than suppress it. You know, it's, we're, we're tr- we don't hide people under a bushel. We want to let them shine. So find a place for them to get on stage and, and do what they do best. Absolutely right. That's where I found my boss who would send me to England to, to give presentations and move me more into a customer facing role, which is eventually where I been thriving, but absolutely right. So, but I understand as a manager also, when you manage people, it's hard to find, to align everything, you know, to align your budget with your needs, with what the, the urgencies of the business. And you know, you have someone good here, but you need someone really good here. And it's like, how do I make this happen? You know, because you do have someone, I, I do agree with those intangibles when you have someone willing they're responsive. Those are traits that are so hard to come by. Yeah, yeah. And we need to find a place to move them. And, and inevitably, of course, if we can do that, they stay longer and they're happier, no, knowing that people will leave. Yes. Of course, yes. that'll happen. But, you know, when, when they do, it's under the right circumstances for both them and the business. Great, great. So, Will, um, you know, I always ask, and we, we, this has been such a great conversation from the human management aspect that, you know, I haven't had in the show, to be honest. I have many leadership coaches, but this particular flavor I, I've enjoyed very much. Now, you as a person, I always end up with, you know, what makes you connect to yourself. So in the times where you feel a particular disconnect with, you know, your true essence, what are the go-to things or places or maybe activities that you uh, revert to? Um, yeah. So for me, it's, I, I enjoy new experience, uh, whether that's, you know, traveling or, or meeting new people, for example, trying something new, new activity, new sport, whatever it is. So, you know, I'm a gatherer of memories, I guess, experience. I love that. So, uh, you know, when, when I'm in work, it's, it's, it's engaging with new people, for example, or, or, you know, something that hasn't been been done before. So I do love connecting, you know, like you, you know, and when I'm talking about these things, personal growth and fulfillment, developing leadership, uh, they're things I'm very passionate about. And so anytime I get a chance to, to talk more, for instance, you know, this very conversation is part of what drives me. So, you know, I think that that's really important to me as well. So those are the things that sort of make me me tick. Uh, uh, I is, is, you know, the whole talent management idea and the idea that somehow I can add value, you know, to other people's journey, whether it's inside of work or, or out. Wow. Well, I'm not surprised why you have found excellence because you have, you know, achieved to have your talent and your passion collide and it shows. And I'm very, very happy that it also made our our paths cross. And, and the fact that we, we enjoy the same, same very thing. So this has been a great conversation for me too. And I want to thank you so much for being part of Back to Basics. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, it's been a wonderful uh, conversation. Thank you, Will. And uh, to all my beautiful audience, until the next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe 
rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcast or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.